Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick, and this is... Dave Smith. Hello. He's the executive director of the Illinois Family Institute and Illinois Family Action. Dave, uh, we have a guest who uh, is not well liked by a lot of folks. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but my mom you, liked me. <laughs> you could say you know him by his enemies, but I, I say you know him by his love mm-hmm. and and his mm-hmm. work uh, on his blog, at his church, at his school. Pastor, uh, yes, Doug Wilson. Thank you. <laughs> uh, prolific author. Uh, his works include "Rules for Reformers" and "Excused Absence." Should Christian kids leave public schools? And he's an evangelical theologian, and uh, where else? Uh, Pastor of Christ Church in Moscow, Idaho. That's right. A lot of uh, lefties out there in Moscow, Idaho. He's the father of three, grandfather of... Not lefties. (laughs) You you, you told me earlier. How many kids, grandkids? Three three kids, 17 grandkids. There you go. Very nice. And a senior fellow of theology at New St. Andrews College in Moscow, Idaho. And Pastor Doug is here for our weekend uh, worldview on the trans ideology. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear what he has to say tomorrow. Mm. And uh, we invited him uh, to bring us a Reddit edge, you might say. Mm. Uh, and his wit is just phenomenal. And so I'm excited that he's here with us on this podcast one of the questions I wanted to start out with is um, the cultural mandate, right? right? Uh, Genesis tells us, right, to have dominion. And right. uh, Jesus' instruction before uh, he ascended into heaven was to make disciples mm-hmm. of all nations. How are we doing with that? Well, I think we're doing better than we think and worse than we think, depending on what metric you're using and where you're, lo- where you're looking at any given point in time. All right, flush that out for so, us. The, the cultural mandate was given before the fall, mm-hmm. uh, replenish the earth, subdue it, do all of this. Some people think, well, the fall abrogated that, but it didn't because God reiterated it after the flood. So after the biggest right. judgment— To Noah. If, after the biggest judgment on sin yep. ever, yep. Um, uh, Noah gets off the, the ark and God uh, recommissions him with the cultural mandate. So that, that was a world— that where where sin Yo, no, had its uh, go yeah. have dominion fill the earth yes yeah, same thing so uh, and I believe that the the great commission in the in the command to disciple the nations is in effect an extension continuation of the same thing with this difference and that is with the coming of Christ we now have been equipped and mobilized and empowered by the Spirit to be actually able to pull it off. Mm. Right. So uh, I believe that we have the resources. Now. Yes. Now, um, we're conservative Christians look at the landscape and they see how bad it is with uh, the, pro- the pro-abortion, uh, uh, the abortions, the, the secularist sacrament. It's their bloody sacrament. And the trans ideology and, and is trans just ideology. all around us. Yeah. yeah, it's everywhere and they hammer you if you, if you cross, if you contradict them, they hammer you, and it seems like, you know, we might give way to the Elijah temptation. I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me. But God says, even to Elijah, there's 7,000 that haven't bowed the Amen. knee, to, yeah. that haven't bowed the knee to, to Baal. So I think we're doing better than uh, we think. Also, 
if if I were a Marxist or a secularist or a radical Muslim, looking at the globe, the group I'd be the most worried about is evangelical Christians. We're overrunning Africa. Mm. We're overrunning South America. In fact, it was the African contingent of the Methodists that stopped them but, from ordaining homosexual clergy. Right. Thank God for the Africans. That's right. And, and, and that didn't, that appeared to Western, insulated Westerners like it was a bolt from the clear blue, but it wasn't. That's, that's been a century coming. So uh, Africa is being evangelized. Um, uh, Philip Jenkins wrote a great book called The Next Christendom, where he, show, he shows the demographics where the, if you said the average Christian today, demographically, who is it? Uh, it's, I think he came up with a Nigerian woman in her 30s. Are you serious? Yeah. If, if you've, where's the center of gravity? I kind of ha- half expected you to say Chinese because no. chi- the, the church in China is also growing. The church in China is also exploding, which is why the communists are cracking down on them. Yeah. Um, but the, they ought to know from history that never works. That actually has a counter effect. That never works. <laughs> and, and it was the communist takeover of, of China in the first place that caused the Christian church to explode there. So in China, in Africa, in South America, and there are signs of resurgence and a renaissance, even in Europe and even uh, here. So I'm, I believe that we can take encouragement. There's a lot of work to do. No, no, yeah, it, right. It's a big mess. We, nobody's trying to sugarcoat the mess. It's a mess. But I believe that we are far better positioned than we tend to think. Well, I needed that word of encouragement. That's good. But I, but at the same time, I look at what's around us. Of course, I live in the People's Republic of Illinois. You do. So, uh, um, And whose fault is that? Ma, <laughs> 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 uh, So uh, the, the Word of God tells us to persevere multiple times, multiple ways, in mm-hmm. multiple places. It tells us don't stop doing good. Right. Right? Or do we live in a decadent world where we're distracted in this rich country? I mean... Yeah. We live in a decadent decadent world, but then again, Christians have always lived in a decadent hmm. world. Um, it's, this is nothing new, right? Okay. And uh, so the, our first parents fell. Um, it's, it's really interesting because John says in 1 John, love not the world. Yeah. The, so the, the central temptation is worldliness. Yeah. Love not the world. And he says the lust of the eyes, the, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Hmm. Okay. Well, you take that back to the garden. Eve saw that the fruit was good for food, lust of the flesh. It was delightful to look on, lust of the eyes. And it was capable to make them wise, pride of life. Yes. So the temptation to worldliness was the primeval temptation. It was the first temptation. Wow. So there was a temptation to worldliness before there was even a world there, a world system there. So we're up against it in, this, in these decadent times, but faithful Christians have always been up against it. And uh, I, I believe that we should uh, simply take heart um, because... One of the tropes that I'm fond of using is uh, David goes up against Goliath, and Saul and all the armies, all the warriors in Israel, were looking at Goliath and saying, "Goliath, he's that's he's too big to fight." And David said, "Goliath, he's too big to miss." <laughs> Amen to that. He's a big target. This is yep. the forehead's the side of a barn. <laughs> well. As a family, we just read about Joshua and Caleb, right? And they mm-hmm. said, we can take them. 
Right. And, 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 and the rest of Israel wanted to stone him. <laughs> right. Jonathan and, Jonathan and his armor bearer saying, should we go up to the Philistine garrison? Let's see, let's see what the Lord does. The Lord can save by many or by few. Right. And, and so uh, the, the thing that uh, one of my favorite quotes is from, from Herbert Schlossberg, and this is a paraphrase, but he said, the, the kingdom of God has advanced from one triumph to, to another all of them cleverly disguised as disasters. <laughs> um, disaster, that's God's camo. That, 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 right, that's, how he, that, that's how he covers us over. I mean, what was, the ba- what was the biggest victory that the kingdom of God sure. ever, ever no, had? Yeah, it was the, cru- the cross. Yeah. crucifixion of Jesus. Right. And what did all the faithful think was going down at that moment? They were hiding in upper rooms. They were scattered. They That's were disheartened. Right. That's right. Um, and and that was the moment when the devil went down. Yeah. Right. That was the that was the the veil mo- was ripped. The, that was the moment when the world was saved. That yeah. was the that was the God's spectacular triumph, cleverly disguised as a disaster. Amazing. You, you know, you mentioned something. <laughs> That's earlier. why I like this guy. About the power of the Holy Spirit, and yeah. when we see what we're up against here in Illinois, <clears throat> are we underestimating? The power of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Um, when, when you look at the, 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 one of the things that we fail to recognize is if you, if you read um, Arnold Dalimore's uh, biography of George Whitfield, two big, rich, um, bi- two volume di- biography of George Whitfield, England in the 1700s, when Whitfield and the Wesleys started preaching, was every bit as messed up and decadent as we are now. Right. But we have co-ed bathrooms. Yeah. Well, the, the, I'll, I'll tell you this. The royal governor of the state of New York in the 1700s, before the American War for Independence, was a flaming transvestite. Are you kidding me? No. And, wow. And he would, he would parade around in women's clothes. And, and the, the, uh, Marvin Olasky wrote a great book called Fighting for Liberty and Virtue, and, and he shows how the American War for Independence was a was – a, uh, the result of a, an alliance made between s- basically smugglers and evangelicals. Wow. Or, right. So <laughs> the, the smugglers didn't like the taxes and that, that, sort, you know, that sort of thing. And the evangelicals didn't like the royal governor as a, being, a, being a transvestite, like sure. a flamboyant transvestite. They didn't celebrate him. What's that? They didn't celebrate him. <laughs> well, they didn't celebrate him, and, but, but it was a, there was a very radical culture clash between, between the uh, decadence of the British Empire in the 1700s, there was a reaction to that such that in the 1800s, Victorian England is very prim and proper. Mm. But the century before, it was a total mess. It, wow. was, it was really bad. Interesting. And um, in fact, a little known tidbit from history, one of the reasons why uh, America won in that war was the decadence of the British. The, the, one of the senior officials that the king had was the Earl of Sandwich, from which Sandwich gets, gets right. his name because uh, he was too busy gambling one time. He was in a gambling fever, and he called for someone to throw some meat between two pieces of bread, and invented the sandwich because he <laughs> because he couldn't be torn he couldn't be torn away from his gambling. Well, he was he was going off for some weekend party with a couple of ladies of pleasure and he sent orders he was uh, i forget his exact office but he was uh, like in the cabinet and he sent orders for 
uh, General Burgoyne to march down from Canada to the north, and I think it was General Howe to come up from uh, Philadelphia and cut off New England. Yep. And uh, one set of orders, because he was off on his pleasure weekend, one set of orders got sent and the other set of orders didn't get sent. Sir Burgoyne came down and got spanked at the Battle of Saratoga because we won that victory there. France was persuaded to come into the war, and all of it was a cascade down from the decadence, the sexual immorality, the, the Hellfire Club in, in, in uh, England. It was, it was as raunchy and bad as anything we have now. Yeah, I didn't right? learn that in my history class <laughs> oh, so many years ago. No, because we think, we think that, um, that if it's 300 years ago, it's all prim and proper Little House on the Prairie stuff. But the past was a monkey house. You know, yeah. And, and, and the, the kingdom of God advances, waxes, and wanes, right? And there are periods of great reformation. There are periods of decline and declension. But when, the, when a reformation hits, when a revival hits, it always, two days before that, two days before Martin Luther nailed the theses to the, uh, it was hopeless, right? You look at Europe and say, this is hopeless. Mm. You know, two days before God rises up, Psalm 68, rise up, O Lord, scatter your enemies. Before God rises up and scatters his enemies, that right before the deliverance, it's hopeless, right? But God, uh, Chesterton said that God... uh, Christianity has died many times. And he said, but that doesn't matter because we serve a God who Amen. knows who knows how to resurrect. Who, who knows the way out of the grave. <laughs> the, the, Amen to that. Well, are the signs pointing toward a new reformation? Yes, ab- I, I, absolutely. Um, I, I believe that God has promised us um, uh, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. He's promised us the nations. Ask of me, it's Psalm 2, um, Ask of me, God says to the Son. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Uh, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Amen. So the scriptures, the earth will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, as it says in Isaiah. So I believe that we have many glorious promises, and what we need to do is believe them. That's the case. Faith is always the catalyst. And walk in faith. Walk in faith and say, if God says, go take that hill, you know, if God, go if, do it. Go do it. If God says, uh, I want you to jump through that wall and not leave a hole, uh, <laughs> then it's my job to get a running start and leave the ground. <laughs> after, that, after that, it's up you, to him. You, you say that, and then in the back of my mind, it, I'm saying, but. Yes, Pastor, that sounds good, but I live in Illinois. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so we need to be praying for revival. <laughs> yes, we live in Illinois. But here's the thing, is every hellhole <laughs> that God has saved his people out of has always been really, really bad. It's good news for that, Illinois. <laughs> yeah. so, so if you say, well, I live in the midst of a, of a people of unclean lips, mm-hmm. well, you qualify, Right. There you go. So, so uh, I guess I <laughs> but, guess we're in. <laughs> Doug, in the city of Chicago, we added this just last election five new socialists uh, to the the city council, and we have a runoff between two mayoral candidates who are uh, going to try to outleft each other. Two black women, one who's an open lesbian, uh, who are both democratic socialists in our view, at right. least. They may say they're Democrats, but. 
um, it's it's going to get worse in Chicago. So what, what, what I see, yeah, it's going to get worse for a time, but um, God, uh, I'm, I'm fond of saying that God loves cliffhangers. <laughs> okay, he. Why didn't the people of Israel come around the the bend in the road and see the Red Sea already parted for them? Because God doesn't work that way. He. He brings them right up to the thing, the water's lapping at their sandals, and then there, here comes the army. God loves cliffhangers, and he brings Abraham to the point where he's got his son tied to the altar, and his knife is raised in his hand, and then God says, okay. And, and so the saying is, on the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. God loves just-in-time delivery, just-in-time salvation. So the the... And I'm also fond of encouraging people by saying, look, in the long run, stupidity never works. <laughs> stupidity can't work. You but it's can't. had a pretty good run in Chicago. It, it only, but it only has a good run. Stupidity only has a good run as a parasite. Okay? As long as the, uh, as long as the tapeworm is attached to a healthy body, the tapeworm can live large. Right. But eventually... The body dies. That's right. And so does and the, so, so does the, yeah, so does the socialism. That's right. Such imagery. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we need to take a break. Talking about a cliffhanger, we got to come back in a moment, and we'll finish our conversation with Pastor Doug. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. It's not just dogs that need protection, Governor. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Preventing cruelty to animals is an admirable goal. In fact, William Wilberforce, the great British parliamentarian and Christian social activist, started a society for animal welfare. He believed, as the proverb says, a good man is kind to all of God's creatures. But Wilberforce knew protecting human beings was much more important. So he devoted his life to fighting against and eventually ending British slavery. Virginia's governor, Ralph Northam, has different priorities. He signed a law to tighten penalties on animal abusers, which is great. In fact, some cases of animal abuse is now a felony. But just weeks ago, the same governor supported a bill that would have relaxed restrictions on late-term abortion and would even leave newborns vulnerable. A public official who prioritizes the protection of animals and the extermination of children at the same time is a hypocrite of the highest order. Governor Northam's concern for cats and dogs is great, but he's not humane while humans are killed on his watch. For more on faith and culture, come to breakpoint.org. I'm John Stone Street. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Do you believe that you need an insurance company or do you believe that God will provide your needs? And there are people that you've never met before who are gonna pray for you and meet your needs. There's another way. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. Thanks once again for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larry here along with David Smith, Yo. the Executive Director of the Illinois Family Institute, Illinois Family Action, busy guy. And our guest is 
the right Reverend uh, Doug Wilson. Reverend on his good days. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Wilson, the prolific author of uh, books that include Rules for Informers and Excused Absence Should Christian Kids Leave Public School? Ooh, which leads, there's a question. Which leads me to socialism. Yeah. Uh, why this rise in socialism uh, right here in the United States of America? So... If I could appear to change the subject for a minute, but it's not really changing the subject. <laughs> Someone said that lotteries, lotteries are a tax on people who are bad at math. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Well, socialism is um, the end product of a socialistic form of education. The government schools, uh, the government schools are socialism as applied to education. It's government-run education. So. Why would we object? Why would conservatives kick at government-run health care or government-run Department of Motor Vehicles? Or you know, imagine the people at the Department of the, the, the people at the DMV in charge of your prostate surgery. Right? Yikes! And, right. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and you say, hey. so, but then then say, okay, we've had that kind of socialism, government-run education. For over a century, mm. for, you know, uh, yep. mid mid nineteenth century is when it really began to catch catch hold, and so we've had socialism as applied to education, and the results have gotten increasingly dismal, and that means that the graduates of these schools are not going to be able to see the problem with socialism, That's right. because they don't know history, they. They're not educated. They, they, they don't know that this has been tried before. This has been tried multiple times before. It never, ever works. Well, well why don't they know? Well, they need to read a book. Mm-hmm. They, they, need to, they need to have gotten an education, which they did not get. What well, does work for some people, but yeah. just not the masses. It, w- it works for the people <laughs> at the top. Right. No, they, they've been miseducated. They've been misinformed. They've been lied to. Right. Uh, and they're um, now that doesn't say that everyone um, is condemned, right? I mean, right. there's there's hope out there. Right. And uh, we need to be out there. Um, I believe going back to the Great Commission or the imper- the uh, imperative there to make disciples of yeah. all nations, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. One of it, the bright spots about government education is that a bunch of the kids aren't paying attention. <laughs> That's, That's good true. Point. Good point. I, yeah. Right, I, Doug. I, I went to Chicago Public High School, and uh, I, I read in many of my classes Soldier of Fort, Fortune magazines in the back uh, of, of class. You know, mm-hmm. so right, yeah. and, and and it shows. So I, a few oh, years ago. Uh, no. no, I wasn't talking about. <laughs> wasn't talking about you. Yeah, this is why you're such a militant Christian. That's right. There you go. There you go. Um, so. Uh, a few years ago, there was a poll that like over 50% of Americans believe in a literal Adam and Eve, right? It, yeah. And the Darwinians are tearing their hair out. Where did we go wrong? Where did what, we what, go what, wrong? What did we do? Um, and I would say to them, look, you've had control. You've had complete control of the institutions of learning, K through 12, and then most of the, most of the colleges. And you've had that complete control for over a century. And you still haven't been able to get the word out. So um, in some respects, the failures of government education have been our salvation because there's still residual, <laughs> they're, they're still residual common sense. True. They're not going along with the indoctrination. They know it's indoctrination. They just, they just tune it out. 
good. So would you have a word to the parents and the grandparents that are listening to this about their kids, if they're, if they're sending their kids to government schools, would you have a word to pastors and Christian leaders about the, um, the importance of Christian education yeah. and getting them out of that dangerous situation? Yeah. So let me, let me make a qualification of the front end. Okay. So difficult cases make bad law. Yeah. Right. So if we if we have a family where the husband's a quadriplegic and the mom's got three jobs and they've got five kids and they live out in the country and they can't move anywhere else. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm nobody wants to come along and kick her in the head and say, have her listen to the Christian Shame radio. On you. Right. Shame on you. What What are you doing? Um, so I'm not talking about. Hard, hard cases. Hard cases like that. I think that the church, when you have a genuine hard case like that, I think the church ought to rally around and yes. make it possible for the kids to get a Christian education. But nobody faults the parents for making the best of a bad situation. Right. But when you are talking about Christian parents who would rather keep their second uh, home on the lake or they would ra- they would rather... Um, maintain their current standard of living, and the government education is free. I think that they need to think this th- through. There's a lot of soul damage being done uh, to kids, and yes. even if the kids are are checked out and not paying attention, and are not being propagandized the other direction, that just means that they survived. There, I, I survived my government education. There I, you go. I, I survived it. Whenever there was a conflict between. What my parents taught and what the school was teaching, I always went with my parents. But I also didn't get a very good education. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so um, surviving and managing to retain your faith is not the same thing as being thoroughly educated as a Christian kid, uh, you know, right. as a Christian kid ought to be. And if your kids are or grandchildren are in government schools, it only um, uh, highlights the fact that they need to be reinforced with biblical views, mm-hmm. biblical understanding of the faith. Right. Can't be neglected. Can't, cannot be neglected, and you can't fix it with a, a Bible story on the weekend. Or even, I would say, a Sunday school. No. Right? Once a week is not enough. No. I, I think that... I think that Parents, grandparents, and parents who are serious about this will have their kids teachers in their homes. They will read the textbooks. They will sure yes. They, they will be up on what the kid is learning. What's being taught in their will, schools, and they will counter it. And then after two years of that, they will realize, you know, starting a school would be about half the work that we're currently doing, trying to stay current with. Uh, and so my wife and I started a Christian school, K through 12. For, we, there, was, there was no Christian school for our kids to go to, so we started one. And there was a lot of work, I, you know, coffee, adrenaline, the Holy <laughs> Ghost. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, Logos, know, right? Logos school. Logos. Yeah. And so uh, we were very, very grateful for it. But we provided our kids with an education that we neither of us had, and which we couldn't afford. So it, and it's classical, right? It's a you, classical, it's a classical model. Classical model. And so what I want to tell people is that what you need to do is recognize that the main thing is you need to make a decision. Right? If I'm going to I'm going to give my kids a Christian education or die trying. Amen. Well, speaking of the public schools, uh, looks like legislation that will require uh, public schools to teach 
LGBT history is coming to Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no opt-out for kids. And if you want to graduate, well, you have to be proficient in the LGBT history studies. Mm-hmm. I'm under the belief they, they're going to public schools first, and then they'll say, you know, we need to mandate this for Christian schools. And right. if you want to graduate in Illinois in your home school, that needs to be part of your curriculum. How do parents stand up to this? I, I believe a homes, homeschooling parents and private Christian schools that are run by people who have, uh, who are vertebrates, who have backbones. <laughs> I, I believe that that overreach could successfully be fought and challenged um, in the courts. All right. So I think that we, sh- I, I think that we should fall back to uh, our own institutions of education. And then we should insist on complete creative control over what we do in our schools, yeah. and and fight for and fight for that. And if and if you lose in Illinois, then I'd pack up your school and kids and move. Yeah, and uh, like a lot of people in California have done already. Oh yeah, you yeah. The, you, the, one of the things that people need to understand is there is a huge demographic shift going on right now. People right. are voting with their feet. All you have to do is look at the, the uh, prices of U-Hauls That's in right. California That's right. and prices of U-Hauls in Texas. And Illinois. Pri- and Illinois. Um, and you say, what's going on? Well, what end of their feet are the toes on? <laughs> you know, so, 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 so people are, people are going, if, if, you may, if you keep turning up the heat, yeah. at some point right. people are going to say, it's, it's, <clears> just, it's exactly what drove our forefathers here to America in the first place. Right. It's exactly the same sort of thing. Couldn't deal with the the culture in Amsterdam, right? Right. Just we're out of here. Amsterdam so goodbye and there was a place to go. And and in America, we've got a blue state, red state divide already. And that blue state, red state divide, I believe, is becoming increasingly pronounced. Sure. More heavily pronounced. The blue states are gonna get bluer, the red states are gonna get redder. And well, it's Are we going to divide? Well, I, I don't see how we can keep it together. In in a, a barring Reformation and revival, barring a, a movement of, of God's Holy Spirit, Amos, I think it's in the book of Amos, can two walk together except they be agreed? That's right. A house divided cannot stand. That's right. And, and if you don't agree on marriage, if you don't agree on what marriage is, if you don't agree that if, if they say chopping a baby up into pieces is a constitutional right, and we say no, it isn't, that's not a that that's not a trifle, right? That, Amen. That's, a, that's uh, right. So um, when Lincoln said a house divided, quoting scripture, a house divided over the issue of slavery, our issues far surpass the in ethical enormity the issues that drove us to civil war <clears throat> the first time. So. Um, if, if you have um, the, the, the practice of Planned Parenthood targeting black uh, inner city um, neighborhoods. That's right. Uh, le- I, I won't say it is a genocide, but I will say it leans genocidal, right? It's, uh, there are more, uh, more black abortions, more black children aborted in New York That's c- right. City. That's right. Than it leans are, racist. The, it's, yeah, it, ab- absolutely. And so you, this is a bigger deal, it's a bigger issue yeah. than 
slavery in the antebellum South was. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that slavery was a trifle. That was a big issue. But these things are weightier, more momentous, and I don't think it's possible. I don't think you can't wish America into a united whole when we're divided on things like that. Amen. And when they, when they say, we have the right to come and tell your kids that Sodom and Gomorrah were abused by God, the God of heaven, LGBT history. <laughs> you know, That's right. This was a great tragedy in LGBT progress. Um, <clears throat> they've, they've inverted the whole, everything's topsy-turvy. Everything's upside down. You know, when it comes to this LGBT history mandate, uh, point of birth abortions uh, here in Illinois that we're headed toward, what act of defiance or civil disobedience should we look into? Right. So one of these things is uh, a book I recommend. He's not talking about these things, but it illuminates these things is uh, Talib's book, The Black Swan. So one, one time I, I was, uh, wrote on my blog something like, you know, any event, however unlikely the event is, it could be the most out of the blue event. Once it, once it has occurred, that event can be shown by any number of competent historians to have been inevitable. So once the Reformation happened, <laughs> Everybody could tell you why it had to happen, right? But nobody was calling it beforehand. The, the beforehand, once the Soviet Union collapsed, everybody could tell you after the fact why that had to happen. Sure, but nobody was virtually no one was predicting it before it happened. And Talib calls these events black swans. They're they just come out of the blue, and then af, or apparently out of the blue. But once it once it has occurred, you see all the run up to it. You see all the uh, the things that are contributing to this thing that's absolutely uh, inevitable. And I think this we're, we're hurtling down on a break point. Uh, this can't. Um, ben Stein, who's a, Ben Stein's an economist writer, his father, I think his name was Herbert, d- devised Stein's law, which is anything that cannot continue on indefinitely won't. We gotta, we gotta, I want to soften this up before we, we end this this. Um, um, in the car on the way over here, we were talking about the Democrats' overreach, yes. <clears throat> the liberals' overreach, the socialists' overreach, and that um, the, the consensus in the car, at least, was that there's going to be a pendulum swing yeah. here in the next election. Tell me why you think that is, and I, I, you know, obviously, barring a revival, it won't be permanent because that pendulum tends to go yeah. both ways, right? Sure. So. Um, in Illinois, we're going to lose at least two congressional seats because of the out-migration here. Mm-hmm. And, um, but hopefully, states like Texas, Tennessee, Kentucky, Florida. We'll pick them up. <clears throat> Correct. The red states. Yeah. So um, with the, uh, um, on, the, on the pendulum swing, part of the reason that, well, here, here the a case in point would be the Green New Deal. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so... A freshman congressman, right? A freshman congressman, right? for pity's sake, who doesn't introduce the most expensive social program, the, right? Ever, ever. And Mitch McConnell had the temerity to say, "Okay, let's vote on it." <laughs> 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 and um, and but so this Green New Deal is, you know, 
we're going to get rid of airplanes. We're going to get rid of internal combustion engines. We're going to get cows. Cars, cows, 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 cows that's right. Cows with, <laughs> cows with bad manners. <laughs> so, so, so you have all these things. It, well, it's just ludicrous. It's just, it's absolutely insane. Right. Well, when you look at Pol Pot and what he did to his country, and you look at what uh, Maduro uh, has done to Venezuela and what has been done, sure. you know, um, socialists are, if you if they're given control, are fully capable of driving it into the ground. California. Uh, yeah, they're, and they're doing it. And that's they're right. they're fully capable of driving it into the ground while refusing to recognize that that's what, the, in fact, they're doing. They're doing. Yeah. So they don't see... They, um, they 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 interpret all the th- bad things that are happening as bad luck, or or the fat cats not paying their fair share, or right. you know, because this the whole thing is driven by envy. Socialism is institutionalized envy. It's a it's a I it's, like that. It's that's in- a meme right there. I got to make a meme out of that one. <laughs> it, it's inherently it's not an alternative economic system. It's a sin. Yeah, it's it's wicked. Yeah. So um, if someone says, "Well, Christians can live under different economic orders," well, yeah, you could have the Treasury Department painted blue or red. That's a, but you can't have. Uh, if someone said, "Well, where does your faith um, prohibit socialism?" I'd say, "Simple, uh, thou shalt not steal." That's right. Right. Wow. So to wind things up and to uh, close us out, I want to ask a little more softer, a little more personal question to okay. Pastor Doug, and that is, uh, Doug, any uh, you, you, what are what are your favorite websites, news aggregates, aggregates, um, and um, magazines or other recommended reading that you might have to our listeners? Okay, so uh, this might sound weird, but my primary news aggregator is my Twitter feed. That's right. the, the, the people that I follow, generally, I, if a big story is breaking, it shows up in my Twitter feed first. So if you follow, um, if you're not just following everybody and his dog, if you're, if you're following um, responsible people, you'll generally find out. Uh, I also check a website called instapundent.com. It's a good news aggregator. And for standard stuff, Drudge. is So that's news aggregator. For the magazines that I uh, subscribe to, I, I've been subscribing to National Review since I was in high school. I've been a long time. That's probably my, the centerpiece of the magazines I get. Um, I'm to the right of National Review. I'm, you know, but I still enjoy, I still enjoy it. Uh, for the, my paleo-conservative uh, bones, I, I subscribe to Chronicles. Um, I've subscribed to, I used to subscribe to the Weekly Standard, which just folded, and they substituted in the Washington Examiner, um, and I've only been getting it for a couple of months, but I'm very pleased with it. Um, I, I get World Magazine, Washington Examiner, um, National Review, and Chronicles, and a few others, but that's basically it. Where can people get in touch with you and find your writings and postings? Probably the best place, single place to go that will connect you to everything that's going on is my blog, uh, Blog and May Blog, and the address is DougWills.com, D-O-U-G-W-I-L-S.com. DougWills.com, and I know Canon Press also has a YouTube channel where your sermons are posted, and what, there's, a, there's another feature that you regularly post on uh, the YouTube channel. It's called Ask Doug, Ask. so there are four, three to five minute questions and answers about 
anything under Tarnation. Yeah, yeah I've, I've watched many of them, and they're, they're very good. Plus, your weekly podcast is your podcast, yes. and uh, that is uh, and your favorite podcast uh, program. So, And you come out every Thursday with a new podcast. Yes, that is correct. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Doug Wilson. God bless you and your work, yes. and uh, tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. And DougWills.com. And DougWills.com. And, Doug <laughs> and until next time, God bless. There you go. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.